I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello. Hello. Friends, we've got a special guest for you today. The world's greatest scientist, Georgia Mills. And my dog. And Georgia's dog. We have two guests. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be here. I've had anxiety dreams about it, so I hope I don't basically sing, which was my dream. That's normal. A lot of our guests say that, um, but that's just our manner. You know, you'll get used to it. It's just uh, We're just abrasive, rude, um, put people under a lot of pressure to perform. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so You can leave. Five, in... six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave in one hour's time once we're, once we're done squeezing you for scientific information. Danny, what have you been uh, watching this week? Have you been passing the time? I have between been, recording sessions. Well, I've read for the first time "Do You Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," the Philip K. Dick book, which became the very misleadingly titled "Blade Runner," one of the most misleading titles of any film. I think. You think it's going to be more blades and running in it? Yeah, there is some running and a few blades, but <laughs> not really as much as you'd expect from, you know. And it's confusing because. Uh... Oscar Pistorius as well, so they shouldn't have named it that. Yeah, yeah, he's the Blade Runner, isn't he's he? He's the Blade Runner, and that's a really reasonable name for him because <laughs> he runs on blades. So, having read the book, I rewatched the movie, and I rewatched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, a movie which I generally sort of liked, but I've now realised it's not that good. Right, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Do you know what I think is interesting about it? Go I'm for sure, it. many people know this at the time. First of all, there's a whole misogyny angle to it, which is a bit problematic. But secondly, I think the kind of curious thing about it is that it's a depiction of slavery with only white people. Mm-hmm. It's like a sort of whitewashed uh, take on slavery, but in a way which is somehow avoids being problematic by not at all addressing it in a way it relates to human society. Like, does racism still exist in the world of Blade Runner? It's just been replaced they, by they the hatred of androids. New underclass. So, like, there's one black character in both films. Yeah, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, isn't he this sort of um, sort of Fagin type? Oh no, beg your pardon. There's like Barkhad Abdi is like a sort of street merchant. Oh yeah, yeah. And then um... there's the guy who runs the kind of sweatshop, isn't there? Yeah, and then oh yeah, sure, okay. I'm... There's loads of black characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, this guy who runs the sweatshop, and then also one of the cops is black. But generally, like all the main speaking parts are white people. Mm. Low on diversity. And then all the slaves. All the robots are white. Do you think, would you be willing to, if, if the price of eradicating prejudice in society was the creation of an android underclass, would, yeah. you, would you take that? Yeah, I think that's fine. Georgia? 
<laughs> what do you reckon? Er- actually... er- erase real racism, but replace hate. Everyone hates androids instead. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good. There's actually like loads of debate going on in science at the moment about uh, sex bots. Yeah, and whether they're. Um... I'm for them. For them. <laughs> I'm against. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, because yeah, if there's a if there's like a sex bot, and people have all these weird desires, they can do it on the sex bot and not on a human. But then it might make them think it's okay to do those weird things. Is it? Is this you. like? Is this like some sort of should you give pedophiles sex robot children to, in order to prevent them from? Is that what? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, that's what, what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yeah stuff like that, is it, and it's like um, giving Alexas and things all female voices. There's people worried that it will make increase misogyny because you're having all these like robot slaves that sound like women. Right, I see. Yeah, that might that might be true. This was not in the movie, you see. This is more interesting than 2049. Well, it sort of is in the movie, isn't it? Yeah, but I think that's the he's thing. Got a, he's does ha- he does have a sex it's robot. It sort of is. It yeah. sort of is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really go anywhere. It's all Blade Runner thing. The book has, is like quite adept at sort of exploring themes of like what it means to be human and stuff. But the movies are just a sort of like gesturing towards it. Just have a lot of mm. and lingering shots and stuff. A lot of mood. Is this a spoiler, but... Do you ever find out in the book if androids do dream of electric sheep? No. No? It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Like how many roads must a man walk down, that kind of thing. Yeah. Next to Blade Runner, the most misleading title is do androids dream of electric sheep? Is it? <laughs> is it like a phrase that people use, like do bears shit in the woods kind of thing? Well, do androids is- dream of electric sheep? <laughs> Come on. <Right? laughs> I always thought it was like a sort of play on like counting sheep. Mm. But in the book... Uh, there are literally electric sheep. Richard Rick Deckard owns a sheep that's electric. Why Very is... literal title. Interesting, interesting. But do you think Blade Runner, the original, is good? Because I feel like I thought it was good, and then I watched it again, and I was like, maybe not so good. I don't, I don't get it, to be honest with you. Don't get it. I kind of like it. It's just a very strange film. It doesn't really have that much uh, like a plot of, of a plot that you would imagine it might do. It's not very procedural. Like It doesn't solve that many clues and stuff. But I do like the mood. scene where he's like looking at the screen for about 10 minutes. He zooms in a lot. Quite a good zooming scene. Yeah, he's a good zoomer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, like the soundtrack, I think it's like got quite an iconic look, you know. So I think it has something to it. Um, I like the incredibly um, unsubtle symbolism of... uh, Rutger Hauer holding a dove and then letting go of the dove when he dies. It's not clear where he gets that dove from. Where's that dove? <laughs> where did he get the dove? Is it an electric dove as well? <laughs> it's not clear. He just has one. Like, because I, I watched the other day, like, he's just like running around this house trying to kill Harrison Ford and then suddenly he just has a dove. He's like, where do you get that from? He's like holding it. He's like, aha, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, ah, I won't actually. Yeah. All right, friends. What have we got on our plate for today? Coming up on this episode of Film Chat, several reviews reviewing the korean movie burning which was one of the best movies at the london film festival and now you chumps and plebs get to see it as well after the big shots like um, we've seen it already um i will be reviewing the netflix fire festival documentary i did not see the hulu fire festival documentary so i'm not a fire festival documentary completist i don't want to be getting any troll comments about how i ignored the hulu one and how that's better and the real heads or watch the hulu one or something like that I just watched the Netflix one. And uh, Georgia will be talking to us about Netflix hit Bird Box. Millions of people have seen it. We haven't, though, but Georgia has. And you'll also be giving us science facts. Is that correct? 
Yes. <laughs> okay. That's the first fact. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Scientifically speaking, uh, the, the 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 tests of results are in, and you will be telling us about about science later. So, uh, so we have that to to look forward to. Danny, do you have anything to add to my uh, my preamble here, my intro, my my, my itinerary rundown? Nope. Great. <laughs> Great show on the way. Oscar season. The Oscar norms have been announced. Who's been snubbed? Who's been praised? Who's been snazed? (laughs) 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 The big news is, you know, after Oscars So White a couple years ago, it's now Oscars So Male. Very little female nominations, apart from Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress, where they have to. They really have to. They have to. Yeah. It'd be really bad if they nominated. (laughs) All male, all all male male. shortlist for Best Actress. But at the same time, shocking. That'd be a fucking baller move by like (laughs) the Academy. Yeah, that's right. It's Daniel Day Lewis. (laughs) Um, And I would say it's quite a weak year. I would out of the um, Best Picture nominees, my own personal opinion, only Roma I would say is like a really like nailed on great great movie. And the rest are quite middling. You want a quick uh, quick little rundown, Best Picture noms? Yes, please. Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favourite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Those are the noms. And I believe um, The Favourite and has got the most nominations because it's sort of got one in most of the technical categories. Because they don't have to make all those costumes, right? And, you know... A lot of work goes into a period costume drama. Modern <laughs> films are just like, you just fucking turn up, don't have to do anything. You just come in your own clothes, basically. Yeah, just come, yeah <laughs> casual Friday. <laughs> um, I think one thing that's notable, and it suggests it's like a week year than usual, is that not even these films aren't even all critically universally acclaimed. Yeah, I mean, Green Book, Green Book got a bunch of like middling reviews, and so did Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I don't... And also Black Klansmen had a few detractors, such as um, us on this podcast, for example. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just feels like they didn't quite have uh, enough movies that everyone loved to kind of fill out the nominations. They don't even have a host. What's going on with the Oscars <laughs> this year? It's just so half ass. <laughs> Do you uh, know what I think is interesting? What I think is interesting? I know, I feel like I'm wading into territory I don't really know enough about to say. But, all right, fantastic. Um, is that it's got three films which are about well it's not about racism about this like black experience african diaspora got black yeah. panther black Klansman, and green book but bill street could talk has been overlooked massively which is also about racism but, yeah 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 but it doesn't deal with it in the same sort of overt way black Klansman does and it's weird that that film has not been considered but green book which is apparently is a sort of driving miss daisy style story has made it in black Klansman is like very in your face so it's unavoidably like it's the sort of uh oscar thing you get awarded for most not necessarily best mm. and black Panther made like a shit ton of money so they had to include it yeah i think but it's weird that that movie which is i would say a masterpiece and the rest of the <laughs> has been overlooked the um uh what was i gonna say i read a, i read a very scathing review of green book 
which is basically one of the things he was complaining about it is that um it's like one of those movies about racism which is really easy for white people to watch and like kind of centers the experience of the white character as this kind of he's like a racist but he's not like too racist and then he learns to be less racist by the end so the audience you know, feels like they go on this comforting journey with him and there was that um a uh, uh, reviewer called David Edelstein, Edelstein, um, Edelstein, however you pronounce that guy's name. Uh, <laughs> already, we did that on a previous oh, on, a, on a previous episode to to widespread uh, acclaim. Um, but yeah, he he said something about Green Book that got him in hot water, which was like uh, it made him nostalgic for an era era when racism was simpler, basically, and it was like. <laughs> You know, he just uses a bunch of uh, unfortunate terms, but he's basically well-meaning and, like, wasn't it nice when racism was just kind of like that, you know? And it was all basically fine. It was, like, pretty distasteful. But I think it does say something about, like, the kind of uh, movie that it is. And also Black Klansman is also a film which is, like, while being extremely kind of um, angry and uh, kind of like a fiery film about, um, like, horrific racism... Um, is also in some ways quite a comfortable watch, I think, for for white people because it's got like nice white cops who are just you know the good guys and they're just helpful. Well, Adam Driver got a nomination. Yeah, right, exactly. And, um, uh, Isaac Washington didn't. Oh really? Yeah. Wow, interesting. I actually, check that. That might not be. I'm pretty sure that's true. I'm well, I sure can. The only acting nod it got was for Adam Driver, which I wouldn't say that was like a standout performance. Let's have a look. Correct. Yes. You are correct. Um, uh, whereas uh, If Beale Street Could Talk is um, just not a film which white people feature in very much. There's a couple of white characters, but like the as a white person watching the movie, there's no sort of person for you to be watching it through, you know? Yeah, it's clearly not about you. Candy Cool Running's character. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. That's one way. It's one way to read it. Is this the first time a superhero film has been nominated for Best Picture? I believe so, yeah. Or is it? Or did um, Dark Knight get a nomination or something? No, isn't that the sort of uh, complaint by the nerds it but, should have done? Yeah. Well, I guess so. Probably probably it is. We should probably know that if we knew our stuff. But I believe that's correct. So it's significant for that reason. But it's, I mean, it's interesting because it's only, it's the nomination is kind of for the significance of the movie being this, like, um, you know, all black cast. Kind and it's also milestone. this... Yeah, it's a cultural cultural master and also like set in Africa and is kind of about, you know, is about like black diaspora and colonialism and stuff. So more so than for the actual movie itself, which is a relatively kind of by the numbers sort of uh, superhero film. Like, I, I liked it, but yeah, I'm happy to see it in there. So if they're nominating things for like what they represent... Mm. there's really no excuse for having no female directors no absolutely also you were never really here as one of the best films of the year yeah and um can you forgive me it's directed by uh mary heller i mean there's like a it's not like they had they just have to struggle to think of names like deborah granick yeah leave no trace that's right leave no trace was really really good but like yeah um you were never really here it's like probably one of the best reviewed films of last year and it's just not it's like if only we could direct like you know if only we could nominate a woman it's like oh the greatest working director <laughs> is actually a woman so <laughs> yeah Tara disappointing for private life that got great reviews i mean i haven't seen vice but i'm willing to bet that it's better directed <laughs> probably <laughs> she's, she's a better director than adam, adam McKay. McKay. yeah 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 i'm just willing to bet that and i'm i'm sad as well that sorry to bother you is not made any waves which is also a great film by first time director and i feel like you know would have been a nice thing would have been nice for the academy to have noticed that yeah just a bit of a 
bit of a shit year. I mean, I'm not particularly... What are your predictions? Best picture? I predict the best picture winner... Well, you know, I would have said that A Star Is Born was a kind of shoe-in, but then it kind of got snubbed at the Globes, didn't it? Like, it didn't do very well at the Golden Globes. snubbing. And, like, the favourite won everything instead. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be the favourite. Georgia Mills? I've, I've barely seen any of them, but the favourite seems the most Oscar-y. Great choice. <laughs> Support back me up. Roma. You reckon Roma? Oh. The other thing to mention is is also that it's really disgraceful that Bohemian Rhapsody is getting all of this like awards attention. No one even likes that film Made and it's directed by yeah, like this sexual abuser and the fact that they um have recognized it this much is just completely absurd. Fucking shit I can't make my opinion. Is that Brian Singer? Brian Singer, yeah, who he had a scandal. Right halfway through, he got fired, but he still he but he still credited as the director of the movie. I think it was like two weeks before the end. Yeah, he directed enough of it to retain his credit. Yeah, yeah, he kept and his Dexter credit. Fletcher finished it off. I don't know if he did all the good scenes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, any more Oscar thoughts? Um, Roma for best picture, Quaron for best director, maybe B Coots for best actor, mm-hmm. and I reckon Olivia Coleman. Is the favourite with the favourite. She's just so nice, you know, isn't she? She gave a very nice speech when she won at the Globes. Very nice. It was very um, adorable. And I think Regina King will win Best Supporting Actress for Bill Street Could Talk. Okay. Excellent. And Best Supporting Actor, I'm hoping it's Richard E. Grant, because he just seems... I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he just is so delighted to be nominated. He's like, every day he posts some sort of, like, <laughs> vlog where he's just, like, beaming. He's just like, is I, he? <laughs> I can't believe it. Um... But it does look a bit like he's just doing his Wivnell thing, playing another drunk. He's so good at playing drunks. Why didn't he do it before? What an idiot. He should have been doing his entire career. Got about 12 Oscars by now. <laughs> but good luck to him. Also, he lives near me, so, you know, practically my neighbour. So you got a bit of um, Rep your ends, lo- you know? loyalty from that, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Rep my ends of rich men upon terms. Rep your ends. Yeah. Where uh, loads of really rich, famous people live. Yeah. <laughs> just want them to do well. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A trailer came out. I love... Oh, I like a trailer. Oh, I like the trailers. Oh, I love the trailers. Oh, I love the trailers. Love to watch the trailers. Um, and everyone's talking about it. It's the... Um, I, as far as I understand. <laughs> uh, Zac Efron's latest film. Efron, not just a pretty face. No. Doing real dramatic, meaty role as the famous serial killer Ted Bundy. Uh, in an unusually titled film, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Um, I mean, it. I mean, we. I think we we talked about this before when this movie was announced, and it was a bit unclear what the tone of it was going to be from that <laughs> title, which does sound a little bit like uh, was that Steve Carell movie that's like uh, Mister Whatever's Horrible No Good Day or something. Yeah. Or he- Hector's Search for Happiness, but it's about a serial killer or something, <laughs> or like Mister Magorum's Wandering Porium. It's in that kind of uh, genre of like weird film titles. Um, so we now have a bit more of the tone from this trailer. Uh, which is um, rocky, fun. Should we have a clip? Let's have a clip. Like I 
has been staring at you all night. What do you say we get out of here? What is it about this guy? When I feel his love, I feel like I'm on top of the world. There are things you don't know. Hi, officer. I think I must be lost. That will shock you beyond your worst nightmare. I am innocent. You don't actually believe this garbage, do you? It's in all the papers, Ted. Monkey! Oh. How did his name get on that suspect list? I want to come see you. I was really hoping you'd say that. This case is about catching a monster. Ladies and gentlemen, I am that innocent suspect. You are skating on thin ice, partner. Is this wrong as ethically bad? Real question. Georgia, you're a woman. I've noticed this. What's your take? Not just a scientist. Not just a scientist. A woman. I just... Who picked the music? What were they thinking? Yeah. Why is it so cool? It's like the the scene in a film where the superheroes have, like, kitted out and then walk in slow motion. It's like that music... But a serial killer in court? Like, it's, they've really sexed it up and made it cool, and that's so weird. Could you imagine uh, the same kind of trailer for, like, the Yorkshire Ripper? Yeah. Peter Sutcliffe just, like, driving around Yorkshire in the 80s, murdering prostitutes. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like they decided that the most salient thing about Ted Bundy is that he was hot. It's like a hot serial killer. We can really do a lot with this. What? What? Most serial killers, like, look like creeps. But this guy was really attractive and normal looking, so I think we should really play that up. Like, get get the punters in with this beautiful, cool, glamorous serial killer. Yeah, I mean, it would kind of be in a, inappropriate and odd if they'd made this made the story up. But it's you know, the fact that it's a real person seems tasteless to me. Not how I would choose to make a film about Ted Bundy, to be honest. How many people did he kill? There's an official number, but it's alleged to be more. He confessed to a certain amount, right? And then, but he was like, actually, there's a few more. Do you think this is misleading marketing, or maybe perhaps the film will be will be a masterpiece? Well, it's funny because it's like there is, you know, there's cults around serial killers, and there's been films like Zodiac is sort of like a film about people's obsession with serial killers, but this is like a movie which is like devoid of any sort of sense of irony. It feels like it's yeah. like it's like I've watched Wolf of Wall Street that, but with a sort of like an unscrupulous banker and a scrupulous sociopath who murders women. Uh, the thing that it kind of made me uh, think is that this movie is a total turkey and they're just trying to find a way to sell it. You know, just like the cheapest way to try to like get people into the cinema is just to uh, sell Netflix it as this movie, like right? fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to go to Netflix. Yeah. It's going like, some- to be something like that. It just kind of, I was getting the vibe of uh, we're worried this will not be a success and we've got to in some way make it seem exciting. Uh, it just seems like, really gross as well just to make a film about someone who did this and then i don't know maybe they're in the film but no victims in the trailer and it's just like they're they're just part of his story yeah exactly yeah like it kind of seems like the movie that i imagine if you were him you'd want to be made about yourself exactly (laughs) um he He got killed i'm pretty sure he's on death row is he dead bundy dead how was he killed Hundreds of revelers sang and danced and set off fireworks in a pasture across the street as the execution was carried out. Wow. Well, that's nice. 
That's nice. Oh, do you think they were like... Yeah, they probably had a rock band in. How did he die? Maybe the twist at the end is that the entire soundtrack is being played by the band at his execution. It's a Greek chorus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He received three death sentences. Electric chair. Fair enough. Well, I'm against the death penalty, but I'm glad he's dead. I think we can all agree with that. And, uh, and I hope this film dies as well. <laughs> Eyes on its own. Should we have a party across the street from the cinema? <laughs> let's have a party. <laughs> like fireworks. Yeah, let's, let's let's get some revelers together to party when this film fails. You know, picketing movies just draws attention to them, as we learned in that episode of Father Ted. But maybe partying at a film's bad box office can help destroy it? It's worth if a shot. The party's really good. People on their way to the film will be like, ooh, oh, exactly. Like smells cheese. Yes. Just, they'll just be. That's actually, that's actually a really good strategy. I think that's that's such a positive way as well to 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 take this on. How many cinemas can we hold parties in? <laughs> <laughs> and how many screenings can the parties be happening for? Well, we each host a party, so that's three. That's three. Three right here. Would it be better for us to host them at different cinemas, or just we'll host them one after the other at like when the screenings are on, start a new party? It's got the most screens, like the Blue Water or something in. Uh... Odeon Whiteley's Bayswater. Yeah, yeah. They've got a lot of screens there. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum impact. Let's focus all our energies into one mega party. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, excellent. Good plan. Okay, cool. All right, thanks, guys. Great. Okay. Done. Great. <laughs> Done. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're going to hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. Let's join review. Share between two podcast brothers. Do they Yeah, it's Banda, fine. Stop it. No, it's fine. <laughs> Banda. There's a bit of foley. There's a bit of foley in this episode, Banda, guys. Speak. You might hear some padding. Speak. Speak. <laughs> Good dog. There, now you're on film. There is no dog. That bark means it's time for <laughs> a review of a Korean film. That's what the bark <laughs> means. And that's always that's always been true on film chat. <laughs> This is a tasteless joke about. No, it was not a joke about that. Sam, racist. I thought better of you. All right, I was I was not thinking about that at all. Thank you very much. That's that happens in your mind. You're the real racist. (laughs) I'm innocent. (laughs) Don't have a party when I'm executed. (laughs) I didn't do this. Burning. This is one of the. Best reviewed movies of the year. It's this Korean film, a psychological drama mystery, is how Wikipedia just describes it. Directed by Lee Chang Dong. It stars uh, You Are In. <laughs> and Stephen, Stephen Yuen, um, who you probably will recognize um, from, uh, what was he in? You know, he's Glenn in The Walking Dead. Glenn in The Walking Dead. Also in exactly. Ocular recently, and he was in Sorry to Bob You. He's probably the most famous Korean American actor. Working. Yeah. And yeah, he's, and he's in this film. List, but he's the best one. Movie about is about this guy called Lee Jong Su, who uh, is a slightly socially awkward character who strikes up a relationship with some, uh, this girl who he knew as a child, who he bumps into again one day. And uh, at one point, she takes a, a trip to Africa and asks him to look after her cat. 
and he goes into the flat and he looks after the cat, but he never sees the cat. A bit mysterious. Where's the cat? You're, you're thinking, just like him. Uh, and then on, on her return from Africa, uh, she comes back with this uh, guy called Ben, who um, is this super handsome, wealthy, uh, glamorous figure, really the opposite of him in every way. Um, and the three of them kind of start hanging out. There's they, this sort of weird dramatic triangle that forms between them. And it's a real um, slow burn. I might, someone might say, if they were a totally lame idiot. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the, the tension very sort of slowly ratchets up and you don't really know where it's going to go. But yeah. it's very good. It's brilliant. It's got this, it's got this like, beguiling tone to it. It's not like any other movie I've seen in a way. And I think it's, I could probably best describe it as like, it's a thriller with none of the visual grammar or, uh, you know, music cues or plot elements you kind of associate with a thriller. Yeah. It's like this kind of slow character piece with all these little tantalizing mystery elements, which uh, just really successfully put you in the headspace of the main character, where you start to view everything with suspicion and like, almost like everything becomes a red herring. In a way, which sounds like it could become frustrating, but just makes it incredibly thrilling. And it's also this brilliant study of uh, masculinity, particularly in the way it kind of relates to a sort of sense of entitlement. In yeah. that ben is this rich guy, kind of views uh, Shin as this kind of disposable pleasure. And the main guy views her as like an object of desire. But those are both basically the same point of view. It's like they just she just relates to them as an object, um, and the way it kind of explores uh, his kind of social status is kind of like a depiction of late capitalism as well. I think in a way, in that he Stephen Newman's character sort of like waltzes through life. He's a sort of epitome of privilege, isn't he? Somebody yeah. like needs to worry about nothing and is uh, is a kind of. Uh, is like a status symbol himself you know yeah. is the sort of person who everyone would want to be you know he's just everything about him is cool and uh, he lives like such a sort of wonderful um, existence and his apartment is so nice and so it's kind of like yeah an aspect of it is this depiction of um, like class anxiety basically for this like less physically attractive and like clumsier uh, guy who we're following yeah but it's also got this sort of like simmering rage to him but it's kind of born out of his impotency it's like he can't do anything about the station in his life everything has been decided for him and he's kind of trapped as being this loser and uh that just feels very it's a movie that kind of nails the times i think in a way which few films do like mm. the director lee chang dong said it was about like he set out to make a film about millennials particularly the sort of you know the simplicity of the 90s was going to be great it's fallen away to this very confusing uh, unstable present where like our generation is going to be the first that's like less well off than our parents yeah and i feel that's something the film articulates very well it's about misogyny so we've invited georgia onto the anyway sam on with, on with the talking <laughs> um no i i concur i think it's excellent one of the things that is very satisfying about it is that uh, as you say, it sets up all of these uh, little mysteries, and I think it's really expert about how it teases out answers to them, and it always gives you just enough to keep you kind of intrigued, but not in this way, which most films that attempt to do this are, where it just ends up being a bit of a cop-out, or it's silly, or they just, they will, it, there's some kind of 
um, explicit explanation at the end, which is never as satisfying as whatever the mystery you imagined in your in your head is, or it's just totally um, open ended and, and ambiguous. And the movie is saying the the answer didn't matter. It was all about the journey, and you know, uncertainty was like where it was going. Whereas in this film, the, there is a it it all actually is basically tied up at the end in a way that is um, just not spoon feeding you. Basically, it's what's that sort of cliche about if the if you let the audience put two and two together they'll love you or whatever i think that's something you've said before i think it's a billy wilder quote a billy wilder adage which you've drummed into me making me smart and able to analyze films and when uh, i first found you as sort of a wretch of a human being <laughs> i took you in and i fed <laughs> you soup and i <laughs> and gave you movies and books and now and, look and at taught you. me how to taught <laughs> me how to read the visual grammar of film and story and look at narrative you. Um, you let me put two and two together in understanding why this film is good. This guy. But yeah, but I, I think um, the, the film does that in, a, in an extremely satisfying way. Kind of makes you feel smart by the end, uh, which is a nice thing for a film to do, in my opinion. I also think the central kind of loser character is uh, done in a very good way. I mean, he's like, his, his repression is, is, is itself somewhat enigmatic. Um, so even though you're simultaneously... You're, you're following him you're seeing this the movie through his eyes um, and it puts you in his position but at the same time you don't really know exactly what this guy is or what he's yeah, yeah, capable absolutely. of that's true of all the characters in a way and it's got these it's like so enigmatic Everything very enigmatic there's like these long languid sequences which just feel they're so um pregnant with uh uh it's like tension but it's not quite sure why it just feels like something's gonna happen at any moment <laughs> you don't know what's going on and uh, yeah, it's a gripping, a really gripping watch. Check it's, it out. It's the best film of it's, this year. It's the best film. It's the best film. I mean, I'm only like, you know, 26 days in, but it's but the best one. It's the one to beat. Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack and telephone friends so you know where she's at. Right, that's enough now. Georgia, on our podcast, normally we don't check anything and we just talk nonsense constantly and we just make shit up. I did a whole review of The Favourite where I didn't even bother to check whether it was about based on historical facts or not. I hadn't even seen it. I hadn't even seen it. I hadn't even seen it. And I gave it five stars. <laughs> and described long Describe- films, which just did not happen. <laughs> I, f- I filled my review with rich details. <laughs> just which was just complete fiction he was describing the plot of space jam the whole time yeah which i also haven't seen (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) anyway sometimes it's nice to ground things in hard uh grainy bollocked reality so so that's why you've you've come on you deal in facts don't you (laughs) in uh in your life and uh uh, and we, we we want some, yeah. So yes, we so we're going to ask you some questions about film science. Okay, I'll do my best. My first question: This has been bothering me since uh, 2006 when this movie came out. Can you die of a broken heart like Padme does in Revenge of the Sith, where the robot um, says, "Medically, she's completely healthy. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. She's dying." We don't know why. She's lost the will to live. Can that happen? I don't know if this can happen in young people, but it definitely does happen in old people. So 
this happens all, oh is this a bit sad to talk about in your fun film chat but basically when uh, there's an old couple the <laughs> <laughs> when when an Facts old don't care about your dies, feelings so. their partner usually dies very quickly afterwards like above average chance basically wow. and i think this is to do with basically being so sad that you just sort of die and there is evidence that you can kind of control when you die like um for the millennium loads of people just didn't die in december and then died on like the 2nd of january because everyone just really wanted to wait to see the new millennium and then they were like what? wow they wanted to see if y2k was going to happen yeah they wanted to see the millennium bug <laughs> so angry it didn't happen they died they wanted to visit the millennium dome on the opening yeah. day when cliff richards the millennium prayer didn't get to number one <laughs> just iced a whole bunch of people and there was another thing where if you died in a certain month, you got like a tax benefit and loads of people managed to die in that month. Really? Wow. That's really interesting. Well, thank you very much. And does that work for Jedi as well? <laughs> Especially Jedi. <laughs> She's not a Jedi though, is she? She's not a Jedi. She had Jedi in her, her stomach. Yeah, she had some Jedi kids. Yeah, yeah. sure. She had some Jedi kids, but she's not a Jedi, is she? All right. Does it... Does it work for for a queen? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I have a question. Um, I love the movie Ghostbusters too, and it's a popular film on this podcast. We like to talk about it being good. Um, most of it is about ghosts, which we know do not have a huge amount of scientific basis. Well, at least that's my view. <laughs> One of the non-ghost aspects to the film's plot is a uh, pink slime which reacts to emotions. They play it, exciting songs, the slime dances around. If you cover yourself in the slime, you get really emotional. If it kind of if people are really mad around the slime and then you touch the slime, it makes you mad. But if you invest the slime with positive emotions, it makes people really happy. So I'm just wondering, is there any science to the idea that you can have a slime that makes you feel things? <laughs> can can slimes do that? I don't, I don't actually know really what slime is. Like, is a slime, like, a material, or is it just, like, anything that looks a bit gross is slime? I guess it's, like, a viscous, you know, sort of goo-like substance. So it's kind of sticky, probably. Well, there... I guess if there was a slime, like, in your room or something, it would change your emotion to, like, confused and sad that there was slime <laughs> <in> there. <laughs> That's one way. Um, there's a hormone called oxytocin, where there's some quite controversial research that if you like spray that in people's faces, they get really like amorous and loving. So I guess if the wow. slime was like covered in these hormones, you might be a bit like. Ooh. So it's like fer- like pheromonal type stuff. Yeah, pheromones don't work with humans, but like if the hormones get into your system, maybe if you ate the slime. Right. Um, and if it was delicious slime, you'd feel happy. <laughs> um, but apparently, there is a thing in slime called borax. Which, if you eat that, you die. So that would make people sad. There's a thing in... So you weren't able to find out what slime is, but you did discover that there's something in it called borax that, <laughs> kill, that kills you. So I googled... Uh, I, behind the science curtain. Um, I googled, there's Google behind this. I, I, thought googled, you, I thought you were going to the library to look at journals. I was going to my mind vault and then that was empty. So, <laughs> um, I typed in, can slime change emotions? Yeah. And it just came up with an article about... Uh, borax and how it's banned in the UK and it's dangerous so I assume that's in slime All right. from Google saying it's relevant okay so watch out for slime guys okay. it could kill you, it's borax in it I have another science question go for it as depicted in the film Waterworld the polar ice caps melt and cover the entire world so it becomes a water world <laughs> spoiler alert for the end of the movie 
there's like one island. So there's a bit of land left. But would that happen? What happens if all the polar ice? Are you underwater? You know. Do we get a water world? Do we get a water world? We we get a wetter world. But... That's not my question. <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually have to worry that much about climate change because uh, we'd still have... Every continent would still exist if all of the ice caps melted. But they would be way skinnier. Um, so again, I, I looked this up. Um, but uh, London would be gone. New York would be gone. Asia would be in real trouble. <laughs> Asia? <laughs> Lots of flooding. We, we, we're losing London. We're losing Asia. <laughs> big, big problems. Um, but Australia would get a nice sea in the middle. So oh. Not all bad. I have another question. Uh, as depicted in the film Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, Indiana Jones survives a nuclear explosion by hiding in a fridge. Can that happen? Does that work? Mm. Should we all run to a fridge if a nuclear bomb's about to go off? Uh, yes, if the if the fridge was like 50 miles away, then you'd be fine. Um, but if it was any closer, it wouldn't do much. Um, so, and then also you'd be in a fridge. So maybe just don't go in the fridge. It's, it's dangerous to go into a fridge in any way. Yeah. Even if there's yeah, not a nuclear explosion. Uh, right? You know, isn't that the, the movie science, you know, why it works? Okay, so the lead would block some radiation. Yeah, but, but not, you're still, there's still a big explosion. Not all of it. You're still in an explosion. So you'd this is how Indiana Jones would die. First he'd be crushed by the shockwave. Then you'd be going so fast in that fridge he'd probably break his neck and all the blood would like be sucked into one end of his body. Wow. Um then he'd be crushed by the landing. He'd also probably be mel- uh melted, isn't that the past tense of melt melt? Yeah, he'd be melted. Molted. <laughs> he'd be melted by molten lead. Um and probably like evaporated by the heat. And then the radiation Jeez. would get in anyway, so He's real dead. Do you reckon that would be... That was not a very well-received movie. Do you reckon it would be better received if that happened? <laughs> <laughs> if there was People a scene... always complain about like the CGI monkeys and Shia LaBeouf or whatever. But if like the movie is only after 20 minutes of him like just dying in a fridge. Do you remember the, the slow-motion car crash scene in Death Proof? If it, yeah. was, like, if it was like that. <laughs> but it was just like a slow-motion scene of him being crushed by a shockwave... Uh, melted, all the blood rushes to one part of his body. Uh, he's <laughs> his, ne- his neck is broken. I have a final question. Um, in the movie Superman three, Superman reverses time by flying really quickly around the world. Can that happen? <laughs> I haven't seen this. So does does he fly so fast he goes back in time, or does he make the world turn the other way? Yeah, he makes the world turn the other way. And that to, that reverses time. Well, ne- that reverses time, right? <laughs> Neither works. That's why I asked for the clarification. But um, why would the Earth turning the other way go back? It doesn't make any sense, even in like silly film logic. I guess if you flew faster than the speed of light, there's like a theory you could go back in time. But then Einstein's equations pretty much don't allow that to happen. So, mm, but Einstein's equations haven't met Superman. True. Yeah. Did they factor in Superman? He didn't. No, he forgot about that idiot. <laughs> In the like in the logic of the film, do we understand that the, the time has reversed, but only for the Earth? Like elsewhere in the universe, time continued on in a straight line, but because he turned the Earth backwards, or is the Earth a kind of like button where if you it, I mean, it, it like kind of turns? Like, you know, some Marsh is having a cocktail. Like, <laughs> like the Earth is reverse time. But you know, you know what I mean. Like, is it like a toggle where if you just move the Earth in a different direction, like that uh-huh. that affects like the whole time of the universe, like a dial? Yeah, or is it just like 
if it goes back in time, just the Earth goes back in time. I mean, that's a very Earth-centric view of, of the universe. It is, yes. Also, like, presumably the Earth is still in its orbit, so everyone would be further on in the year, but not in their lives. Oh, so shit. suddenly be like... Ford, I don't know. How, I don't know how long he waits before he goes back in time. How long does he turn back time? It's like a few hours. Oh, that's that's not. Oh, same day. Same there'd day. Be, there'd still someone would notice and be like, "What's up with that?" Mm. Yeah, because it'd be dawn somewhere, and then suddenly it'd be in the afternoon. Right? Yeah, the moon would be in the wrong place. Oh Tides shit! Tides would be messed up. Mars would be somewhere else. He should have flown around the solar system. Really? Yeah, he should have flown around the entire solar system. Can't it's Superman do that? Silly man. Can you make the solar system turn it in a different direction? Silly man. Not Superman. Silly man three. Silly man. I suppose that... Lay his headlight. The return of silly man. <laughs> well, that's cleaned up a lot of... Uh, cleaned up a lot of stuff in my mind. Mm. I feel smarter now. I don't know about you, Sam. Do you feel smarter? Oh, I feel much smarter. And I'm going to... I'm going to... Well, I've learned to avoid slime. I was going to seek it out in order to get the good vibes. <laughs> But now I've got to avoid the deadly borax, so I won't do that. And neither of you will get in fridges. Not getting in a fridge anytime soon. If there's one thing I want you to remember from this podcast, don't get in the fridge. And I won't get in the fridge. Unless there's a, unless there's a nuclear explosion 51 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Netflix. I love it. Does great content constantly. One of the things that came out in it recently is the documentary Fire, the greatest party that never happened. All about the ill-fated fire festival, this kind of... Uh, massive party for influencers and models which is supposed to be the coolest music festival of all time uh, but then turned into an absolute uh, historic disaster it's a great material for a documentary so good they made two documentaries about it the other was produced by hulu and there's been an, an extra bit of fun behind the scenes drama uh, between sort of a rivalry between the two documentaries um uh, this documentary was made by uh, the, one of the production companies that did promotion for Fire Festival, which the film does not itself disclose to you. So they have a bit of an interest in, you know, laundering their own reputation and making uh, everyone else look bad. Um, whereas the Hulu documentary got into a bit of trouble, um, or at least was criticised, because uh, they paid Billy McFarland, who is the um, mastermind behind Fire Festival, uh, a lot of money or, you know, some undisclosed sum of money to, um, to be interviewed in the documentary. So he kind of made you know, made a bit of money out of it. Out of his own disaster. Uh, out of his own disaster, even though he's like a massive exactly. fraud and is going to prison. I, I enjoyed it. I think it's it's pretty good. I mean, I'm sure that they're, um, obviously this this company, which uh, used to be called Fuck Jerry, which is an extremely Nathan Barley's type name for a production company, um, have a, uh, may have edited it in such a way as to make themselves come, come out well out of it. But it seems like a relatively straightforward um, uh, take on, on what happened. It follows Billy McFarland, who is this kind of millennial, um, wonder boy, entrepreneur type. Um, he just looks, I mean, he actually looks a bit like that guy from the most recent Love Island with the kind of um, ridiculously white teeth. If you remember that guy, all of our listeners will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and uh, he looks like kind of an idiot, but everyone keeps saying that he's like this entrepreneurial genius who can sell you anything. He was coming off the back of another project called Magnesis, which is this insanely obnoxious sounding like... Um, 
kind of premier club card for millennials in new york that would like it's like metal and black and cool and it gets you into all the swankiest parties and events and stuff and they have their own clubhouse um and uh so his sort of next step after that was to uh, throw this massive party which was intended to promote an app which is called fire and the app was going to help um businesses to book artists that was the basic basically the idea um but the festival itself just uh went incredibly out of control they basically went to this um island in barbados and uh, uh shot with a bunch of like very famous models just like having a party and then that became a promotional video for fire festival which is gonna like i guess you were just gonna go there and watch bands but also like famous models would just be there having a sandwich or whatever and you just get to sort of be near them i don't know cool um but it was insanely expensive you you the the, the ticket involved being flown out there on a private plane and uh, it was this whole like insanely premium experience that was directly aimed at um everyone who uses instagram a lot i am not entirely sure what the class of person called an influencer is exactly is that they have a lot of followers and they sell products Us. they're like they're basically like sales people like their their own branding agencies or i don't know it's confusing i mean apparently the hoodie documentary has a whole take on this and how about that's about you know millennials or, or whatever about learning our culture and how we're all uh using hashtags too much now and every, everyone is really uh superficial and you know only wants to photograph themselves looking pretty and you know but then the actual reality is like a disastrous uh mess and you don't want to show people that i don't know something like that um, but I mainly enjoyed it for uh, just the uh, watching the hilarious uh, drama unfold as these um, series of people who work for this guy become more and more crazy trying to make this thing work as it just gets more and more disastrous. It's got the structure of a good um, fast episode of a sitcom. It's like Faulty Towers, basically, you know, it's basically like this guy is essentially the entrepreneur version of Basil Faulty kind of trying to throw a big party, but it doesn't work out. It's got good like talking head characters which he wants one of his um what did he do i don't know one of his like producers or someone who worked for um billy mcfarland is like this older guy who has this like really sad look in his eyes sadness in his eyes um the whole way through the film and tells a series of like increasingly sort of tragic anecdotes about um the lengths he was forced to go to and he had to like pour loads of money in for billy you know he basically put everything on billy's success and he was like watching it all drain away and there's one bit which is kind of funny when you watch it but then increasingly more fucked up and awful when you reflect on it where he confesses that um in order to get some like they had like thousands of liters of water like bottles of water which they needed to get through customs in barbados and mcfarlane told him to go and like suck the guy's dick in order to like get the uh, get the water in basically he was like do anything you got to do suck his dick and um this guy was like and i literally drove home took a shower i i i, I drank some mouthwash i'm like oh my gosh i'm really and i got into my car to drive across the island to take one for the team and i got to his office fully prepared to suck his dick it was like he'd been so beaten down and like destroyed by this whole process that he was just like and then it turned out the guy was just, you know, he just needed to talk to him or whatever. And it was like completely fine. I was going to say, like, he had to, but like, right, every bottle of water, like. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, your mileage may vary as to how much you find that this is a uh, movie that's um, all about the culture that we're in today. I mean, I'm sure it does have stuff to say. The The, the thing that struck me most about it is just what a fucking bizarre industry everything around this is like that such a thing could happen there's nothing new about fraudsters and like hucksters trying to sell shit that doesn't exist but um 
this world of um, Instagram uh, models and like influencers or whatever um, seems very foreign and strange to me. Perhaps I'm just not on Instagram enough. And it's sort of fascinating to see it blown up to this like Black Mirror episode-esque uh, proportions um, and then come crashing down. And there is a certain amount of schadenfreude to be gotten out of it because a lot of these people seem like complete douchebags. Yeah, so I, I recommend it. I, I think, why not? Why not watch it? Why not? Okay. My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Another Netflix project, one that more people have watched in the Fire Festival documentary. Big mistake. You guys should be watching that. The festival's a disaster. It's very entertaining. It is uh, the uh, high-concept horror Bird Box and uh, we, our special bird box correspondent <laughs> is, is is here with us to report back from the scene of bird box what happens in it <laughs> is it good it does live up to the hype have you taken the bird box challenge whatever that is uh and so on and so forth as bird box correspondent i was so happy when this film came out <laughs> finally i'll have a job to do um yeah bird box is uh, another apocalypse film um, so the end of the world this time happens with these mysterious beings come down to the planet. It's not really explained who or what they are or what they want. And um, if you look at them, the audience has never shown them. But if a character in the film looks at them, Banda, stop it. Banda. Banda's scared by this. If you look at one of these creatures, you see it's not really clear, like either a dead relative or something that really scares you into basically killing yourself. Um, what? It's a bit like the happening where people just sort of get glassy eyed and go and do something um, a bit horrible and don't seem to mind that they're dying. Um, And then this all sort of happens in one day and the main character is Sandra Bullock and she runs into the nearest house she can see with a sort of a ragtag group. And um, they sort of the film follows them in that house, but also is flashing forward to the future where Sandra Bullock and two children who are called girl and boy. Uh, have to take a boat ride down a river um, but because looking at these things makes you kill yourself um, everyone in the movie if they want to leave a house or do anything they have to wear a blindfold which is where the bird box challenge comes in people have been blindfolding themselves and doing stupid things and uh, one of them <laughs> tried to drive and crash their car um, wow so the, the film is getting a lot of attention from this does that happen um, in the film Someone uh, crash a car. They do drive actually, but they have um because you know cars are so smart now and they can detect things. They uh they manage to drive successfully, which I feel I feel like people the the people who made this film should have done the bird box challenge themselves because I feel like people are too good at navigating the world blind. Right. Um. Obviously, people who have grown up blind are very good at it, but. If you or I just tried to do anything, like the numbskulls who are doing the Bird Box Challenge would probably die almost straight away. But there's clips in this of people running through forests and they're just avoiding trees and stuff. And it just, yeah, it it seems a bit like they had a good idea, but they didn't really like fully commit to it. Right, yeah. Uh, It's been compared a lot to A Quiet Place, um, unfavorably so. Um, which I will also do because A Quiet Place is another film. It's a, an apocalypse film where you're also denied a sense. Uh, you're well, you're not allowed to make a sound. So in that, people have to live really quietly and in this, people have to live blind. Uh, and whereas in A Quiet Place, it's sort of 
tells you a nice story and you find out as you go sort of how the world works and how they're coping with it and all seems very like realistically done and thought through in this it's kind of like they have the odd idea and they want to sort of shove it in and that there'll be like one scene to be like and this is how they do that and then it doesn't really fit in well with the story of the film it's also not that scary it's meant to be a horror film i think um but the fact is that they because the whole film is a flashback there's almost no tension because you know what's going to happen to almost every other character right yeah um and i was thinking of that film uh, victoria where the whole film is done in one take and like every single scene is just dripping with tension because you're in it with them in this because they're flipping forward and back even the bits in the future didn't feel that tense you just can escape the scene any moment now so it's just kind of like yeah okay something's happening like didn't really find the film that scary um the acting was very good it's got sandra bullock and john malkovich and some other people who i don't know but they losers <laughs> Irre- irrelevant <laughs> some losers some weird losers uh but the characters they had to play were kind of they're very broad strokes so each of them has like one personality trait at the beginning sandra bullock is having ba- a baby but she doesn't want to have the baby and at the beginning she's painting a picture about loneliness and that's how you know that she she's doesn't learning. want to connect with people blah 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 uh john malkovich plays a like comically angry man who you know he's an angry man because it keeps cutting to him looking angrily at people sounds great and uh, almost every line he has is him being really antagonistic and it's sort of like oh there's a there's an angry guy like we're gonna write that in the film and just everyone's like unrealistic um so in general i just found it a bit like there was nothing really really bad but it didn't like make me didn't really sell me um there were the sort of character arc for Sandra Bullock wasn't hugely satisfying. It's sort of they were trying to do a couple of different things at the same time and maybe neither of them worked. I don't know if you're meant to do this in reviews and just complain about specific plot points that really annoyed you. Oh, please. please I'm going to do it. <laughs> so there's a bit where they're all in the house and they've been there for like, I don't know, two or three days and they keep complaining that they're running out of food and they don't know what to do. And there's a character who's uh, who used to work in a supermarket. He's still wearing his like supermarket jacket. And then he's like, guys, I've got an idea. And his idea is to go to the supermarket. <laughs> it's like, why did you need that character? Why do these people not know that food is in supermarkets? Like it wasn't even a special like store for where supermarkets get their supply. It was just the local shop. Um, Specialist so knowledge. That's, that's the kind of like amount of thinking they did with yeah. like, and then this needs to happen how will this happen i know that character will say so uh, that's good so. screenwriting when you see a character dressed like he works at a supermarket that just creates tension for when they're going to go there <laughs> it's like chekhov's gun you know there's also a line that john malkovich says where one of them is like what's going to happen soon and he says soon we're gonna die soon <laughs> <laughs> beautiful screenwriting beautiful screenwriting for the next high concept uh, alien invasion horror film how would you feel about a movie in which uh, if you smell the aliens you die i think that's and too they, and scary they, and they have to, <laughs> they have to shove uh, nose plugs in their noses all all the time and, the, and all their food is just tastes like shit how would you how would you how would you live how would you know when things have gone off oh yeah they're always drinking milk and they're like Bleh. <laughs> Whizzing rebels, and like, oh for fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. That would be pretty scary. Bird Box should have begun with um, Stevie Wonder concert. <laughs> and then, like, he's just playing the keyboard, and suddenly you just hear the sound of, like, the trumpet player fucking killing the drummer. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? And, like, it just pans out, and everyone's dead, and Stevie's just, like, halfway through, uh, isn't she lovely? <laughs> what happened? Oh, yeah, there's a bit in it that I don't know if this is, like, problematic, but. Because these things make you go crazy and kill yourself, there's like a subplot where that people who are in like asylums yeah, like, or mental institutions, mental or? institutions, aren't affected and like can see and just sort of want to everyone else to see. So it's like that because they're already crazy, <laughs> the monsters can't make them crazy. That that is a very strange. Seems yeah, seems a bit weird. <laughs> very strange decision. So by us, bad box. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Bird box. Bird shit. Bird shit. Oh, no, nice. <laughs> nice. Welcome to the team. You've you've uh, <laughs> you've passed the test. <laughs> Your description of bird box as bird shit makes you a pro po- podcaster for films now. She's at life, that's enough now. Back to film chat. So, um, that's it. Georgia will Leave not now. be back. <laughs> Georgia will not be back. <laughs> I just want to reassure you all that Georgia will never, ever <laughs> be heard on this podcast again <laughs> after her display. And Dan will be lucky if he gets another bite of the cherry after this as well. I'm thinking about making this a solo enterprise. Except I'm not entirely happy with my own performance. <laughs> <laughs> so we could be looking at a real real staff change around here. So look, look forward to that for next week. So someone may be reviewing... I don't know what. Danny, any idea? Some of the oscar movies are out. So Vice is out. And I quite want to see Second Act, the Jennifer Lopez movie. Might go see that. Go for it. J-Lo. Cool. Georgia, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to, you know, anything you want to add? <laughs> uh, plug. Um, just the sink. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 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 Nailed it. <laughs> Brought it home. Just to reiterate, I will not be back. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Film Chat. Good night. Goodbye. 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 Let's do it. I just don't want to be necessarily known as the blowjob king of the world. I'm blown away with the response of the documentary. Completely blown away. I'm now a noun, a verb, an adjective. It's mind-boggling. When someone reached out last weekend and said, you're trending. And I'm like, I I don't even know what trending means. People are talking about you. Oh, God. And then yesterday someone's saying yeah you're a meanie i'm like what's a meanie they're like no andy it's a meme and they're creating ads about you after doing a documentary like this and you have your 15 minutes of fame what happens next one of our biggest goals obviously is paying back everybody in the bahamas and so it's kind of rewarding that we, we started a gofundme last week to help marianne and we've committed to that project and it's Net all of its goals and a lot more. And now we've started another GoFundMe, which is now 
um, focusing on paying back all the laborers and everybody else that was involved with fire down in the Bahamas. If I can drive positive influences and, and a lot of positive energy towards you know, social environmental impact, which is what I base my business on, then I think I can utilize this moment to do a lot of good. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 